Good evening. Thank you for coming out tonight. Well, since finding out uh, that I was paired with Ricky tonight, I went ahead and did him a favor and, and just let him pick the topic. Um, but our, our topic this evening is going to be um, grace, uh, but, but more than just the, the grace we see in everyday life, uh, but God's grace. So I'll start off by defining it. Um, the Google definition, actually, for grace, I was surprised to find it was, uh, it is uh, the free and unmerited favor of God as manifested in the salvation of sinners and the bestowal of blessings. But the definition that uh, we might be a little bit more familiar with is uh, receiving something that you don't deserve, or being, giving some, being given something you don't deserve. Uh, some everyday examples of grace could be your boss giving you the day off when you haven't asked for it, uh, your, your teacher giving you an extra day to complete something or an extra week, maybe uh, multiple times in a row, um, or being given a higher grade on a, on a test than uh, when, when, you, when you didn't deserve that grade. Um, but again, what is God's grace? That's what I'll be looking at tonight. Um, it's something we don't deserve. Something we don't deserve. Um, so, what's something God gave us that we that we don't deserve? So, I'll start in uh, Romans 5:15. You don't need to turn there. It says, "But the free gift is not like the transgression, for if by the transgression of the one, the many died. Much more did the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound to the many." So the grace mentioned here is the gift, the gift of salvation. Um, it mentions how by our transgressions, many died. But God's grace is a gift, and it is the free gift of salvation. Another verse that stands out, um, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So again, it's going back to uh, what... what what we didn't deserve, we, it says that for, for he sent his son down for us. We, we, God, he didn't have to do that. He didn't have to, to make that decision. Um, and uh, and so, so we'll continue. Um, what, does, uh, what does God's grace look like for us? What, how can we recognize it? Um, well, based on what we know in uh, human nature, uh, everyone will die. It's, it's something that even a, a small child can understand and, uh, and comprehend. Um, but a lot of people like to think that the default afterlife is, is heaven. You see it a lot where no matter who it was and how they lived their life, they like to just assume that it was, that it was heaven. You know, they, they're in a better place or, or however, however they want to, uh, to decide that. Um, but it's not the truth. We know that, um, that the default, and sadly, the default afterlife is hell. If, if you are to not accept what Christ did for you and recognize who you are, um, without him, then it, it, is, it is hell. Um, we read in Romans that uh, sin entered the world through one man and, and death through sin. And death came to all men because all have sinned. Um, turn to Revelation 21. And then verse 8. It says, but the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and the murderers and the whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their place or their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So by reading that, we, we, can, we know that 
I think we, we, we can all admit here that we, we have sinned. We've all made a mistake once in our life. Um, and, and more than just that, but early on in the verse, it, it mentions, but the fearful and unbelieving. So going back to John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. I think that's an important thing to keep in mind here because it, it, it clearly states, but the fearful and unbelieving shall have their place in the lake of fire. Um, it's, it's something, it's, it's the facts of life. We can't, we can't ignore uh, how, how this is, how God is, has designed this. Um, and, and just by simply looking at God's design for man, uh, you might think how, how selfish it is of God or how unfair it is for us. How we're born and we sin, we live our life sinning because we can't really help it, uh, and then we die. Um, and, and unfortunately, that is the case for, for some people, because um, they, they never find the real truth. Um, but again, going back to John 3.16, uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. The, 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 the key to it is right there. You shall not perish, but have eternal life. Um, go ahead and, uh, and open to Luke 23. This is a, an account of, uh, that, that Luke gives of Jesus' final hours while, uh, but before, before his death. Um, we, the, the story tells of, of there's, there's two thieves on the cross next to him that are, that are being crucified. Um, so, so go ahead and listen to what uh, each of them have to say to Christ. Uh, Luke 23, and then verses uh, 39 and 43. It says, One of the criminals who were hanged there was hurling abuse at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other answered, and rebuking the other, said, Do you not even fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed are suffering justly, for we are receiving what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he was saying, Jesus, remember me when you come in your kingdom. And he, Jesus, said to him, truly I say to you, today you shall be with me in paradise. So by looking at the thieves, we see that the one, uh, right off the bat, recognizes who Christ is and why he's there. Um, he says, aren't you the Christ? Save yourself. Save yourself and us. Um, the other, the, the, the good thief, if you want to call him that, also recognizes who Christ is, but he also recognizes who he is as the thief. He realizes why he's there and that he deserves to be there. It's, it's in the context, it's in the text he says, um, if, you, if you go back to it, um, uh, this man, you know, we indeed are suffering justly, but this man has done nothing wrong. Uh, and I think for, that's important for us to, as, as, as people to, to realize um, that the, we have to recognize who Christ is, who we are, and what we are without him. Um, the death that Christ died wasn't, wasn't for him. He, he, wasn't, he wasn't doing it for himself. He was doing it for us. He took all of our sins and our punishment and the debt we owed and put it on his back. And what he saved us from is not so much the death on a cross, but eternal death in hell, where we, where we really belong. First uh, Peter, uh, chapter 2, 24, you, you turn there if you'd like. It says, uh, who his own self bear our sins in his body on the tree, which is the cross, 
that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes we are healed. So, again, what Christ is saving us from is, is that eternal death. We were dead to sins, away from God. He, he's, he's, he's saving us from, from this torment where we, would, where we would be without God and without, without anybody who, who loves him. Um, it, that in a place that wasn't created for us. It was meant for, for Satan and his angels. Uh, there's also the verse in, in 2 Peter uh, chapter 3. It's, it says that Christ wants all to come to repentance, to, all to turn to him, and that none should perish. He doesn't, he doesn't want us to, to live that, that torment and, and to go through that torment that was, that was never intended for us. Again, that's why he, he came down for us. Um, his, uh, his coming to earth... Uh, and, and dying for us was not convenient for him. He didn't want it. He didn't. He didn't. I don't want to say he didn't want to, but he didn't have to. Uh, it, for him personally, um, he came down from from heaven where he was uh, sitting happily with God. He came down to a filthy, nasty place filled with hate, sin, and immorality to uh, to save people that hated him and and that despised him and that cursed his name. Um, and, he, and, he, and he stayed down there for 30, 30 plus years teaching uh, and healing the sick and also knowing that he would one day die uh, a, a terrible death. Um, with all this in mind, uh, I'll share a story with you. Um, last weekend, my family and I attended a funeral for a young man who uh, attended the school that my dad works at, uh, the web schools. Um, but we, we all got to know him pretty well as a family. He was a very, very nice kid. Um, he worked, uh, he, was, he was, I believe, 22 years old, and he worked for a uh, semi-professional basketball team, um, and, but I believe also worked all the way up to the Los Angeles Lakers and had, had done work for them. Um, but one day, uh, after, after work or school or wherever he was, um, on, his, on the way home from, uh, uh, from wherever he was on his motorbike, which he, he liked to, to, to ride, um, a car turned left right in front of him and, and instantly uh, killed him. Uh, and that was that was it. And and his family, uh, he his um, he did, he never got to say goodbye to his family. He never got to 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 realize what was even going on. It, it happened so fast that he couldn't he couldn't even probably comprehend it while he while it was even happening. Um, the for for him the the thought of death and and the whole trying to trying to understand that really may not have even crossed his mind in the recent weeks or months. He he. He was living his life and, uh, and enjoying it, and he seemed, he seemed to be doing fairly well. Um, but uh, kind of a, another story that go along with this, and, and another good example of grace is uh, in Acts 16. And we'll start in chapter, or in verse 25. This is the story of um, Paul and Silas as they are in, uh, the, after they're thrown in, in prison for, for preaching the gospel while, uh, while out on the, on the streets of uh, Philippi. Verse 25, And at midnight Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God and the prisoners, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all of the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keepers of the prison, awaking out of his sleep, and seeing the prison doors wide open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. 
But Paul cried out with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in, and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas, and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thy household. Verse 32, And they spake unto him the word of the Lord, and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of, of the night, and washed their stripes, and, he, and, and was baptized, he and all his, straight away. Um, this, this story of the Philippian jailer is, uh, is something that, uh, as, a, as a kid, I, I learned the one verse of, um, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Uh, and it's, it's, a, it's a great verse, but the whole story is, it, it particularly pertained to, uh, to what I wanted to speak on tonight. The jailer had a moment um, where he realized that his, his life was, was going to be up soon. It wasn't, he wasn't going to be on earth much longer. Whether it would be his, his boss was going was gonna to kill him because of uh, letting the, the prisoners escape, or we read he was about to take his own life. Um, he, he had, again, he had that moment where he, he saw that he needed, or that he saw that he was going to die, and unfortunately he said he was going to take his life, but thanks to Paul and Silas, he, he asked them, he said, what must I do to be saved? And, and, they, and they told him, they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Uh, and, and it ended up going from, from him uh, possibly killing himself and, and on his way to hell to his entire family being saved. Um, but unlike the jailer, and uh, and Going back to the story I told you, the young man I was telling you about, he didn't have a moment of realization that his life was going to be over in, in, in very, very soon. Obviously, we all know that the death will, will, some, will someday come, but, but we don't know when, we don't know how. So, so we, we kind of like to go on without even thinking about it. Um, uh, but but it, it's, for, for us, it's very, very important. And, and for, for, for any of you who haven't accepted the Lord, don't, don't put it off. Don't wait, because we don't know what, what's going to happen on the way home tonight or on Tuesday or on Friday or six months down the road or to anybody, to our, to our friends or family. Um, uh, uh, don't, don't put it off. Um, you, you don't, don't wait until that day when you're at the judgment seat and, and, you, and you are hoping to get into to heaven. Don't, don't all I can do is encourage you to, to make the choice um, for Christ, which we know, we know based on the Bible uh, is, is why he came down. He came down to save us for our sins. Uh, in Ephesians uh, chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, uh, it says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and it is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. The gift, the gift of salvation is something that is strictly and purely a gift. We did absolutely nothing to, to deserve it or earn it. It is, therefore, a gift. When Christ's blood was shed for us on the cross, he paid the death penalty that we, as humans, owed. He loves us and wants to be with us forever in a place that God created for us. He, 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 designed, he designed heaven and, and the riches for it for, for his creation. Um, believe on him, repent, from the sin that you will be forgiven of if, if, you, too, if, you, if, you, are, if you do accept it and, and follow Christ today. Um, I, I, can't, I can't stress it enough and how important it is for me and for, for any other believers that I know. Thank you. Ricky.
Good uh, evening. There we go. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Good evening. Um, turn to Jude. Please. <coughs> now, I came to uh, Grace, excuse me, in reading Jude, I, I hadn't had a topic. And I, I needed to pick one really quick because uh, Lincoln was threatening me over the phone. And so I figured if I don't pick one, I'm going to get beat up. <clears throat> so I prayed for grace, and then there we, there we have it. No, that's not how it happened. Despite what you guys may have think of the weather outside, my hair is not rainproof. <laughs> but it does work. Jude. Okay, so again, speaking in, uh, in Jude, Jude is a, is a, it's a complex, like every, every book in the Bible is serious. And this one's like, oh, it's got some really good truths in the scripture. I, uh, um, and reading it, um, realize that the examples that he gives off, and we'll get into that right now, the examples that he gives off are examples where men have come into the church and they've turned, or not just the church, they've come in throughout history and they've turned the grace of God into lasciviousness. So when I heard grace, I kind of think, well, New Testament grace, new, no, but God has been gracious throughout all of uh, mankind. So I want to really take a look and dive into Jude and then kind of go back and forth between the the instances that he gives us in scripture about how he's been graceful. I'm going to read the first four verses, and it says, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God, the Father, and preserved in Jesus Christ, and called, mercy unto you and peace, and love be multiplied. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares, who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning to grace, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness, and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Once again, when I started off in Jude, it was like, it was, um, it was within a week of mind-blowing things. We have a Bible study on Monday night, and we're going through Galatians. And when Paul used a reference between Hagar and um, Sarah. Sarah, yes, Sarah being that we have uh, a, I just forgot again. But he used a reference, and it was awesome, and it blew my mind. I was reading Jude again in, that, in that, that same week, and it occurred to me that God has been obviously gracious throughout, throughout all history. Um, Jude is like a, I don't know, it's kind of, it's weird uh, referring this, but it's the only thing that came up, but it's like a Snickers bar. You know that there's peanuts in there, there's chocolate and caramel, but the nougat, once it hits your tongue, it's like, it's like an explosion, it's really good. Jude, um, Jude is interesting. Jude is the brother of James, which is also a brother of Jesus Christ. So Jude humbles himself. And in the first verse, he doesn't even call himself the brother of Jesus Christ. James is actually referred to as the brother of Jesus Christ in the scripture, but not Jude. Um, in this verse here, he does not refer himself. He calls himself a servant 
um, placing himself in the position knowing that he himself is to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's funny, when you look at Jude, when you look at him in, in the, uh, um, as a brother, in passing the closeness of Jude to Jesus Christ, he would have picked up a lot of things. Mary picked up a lot of things. The apostles picked up a lot of things, but going out and, and living with, uh, with Jesus Christ, the Messiah, he, my, my guess is if you can imagine that Jude kind of telling, or Christ kind of telling Jude not to do things when he was younger, he says, don't do that. I know a guy who was head and shoulders above the rest and uh, it didn't work out too good for him. You know, don't lean back in your chair. You could, you know, knock yourself out and die. Don't date any women with the name Jezebel. Or Delilah, for that matter. Continuing on, verse 2 says, Mercy unto you and peace, be uh, peace and love be multiplied, where he's speaking to the church. Now, granted, he's speaking to the church, and he's letting them know he's exhorting them at the same time to contend for the faith earnestly. So when he says in, in, in the Greek, that word earnestly means to um, sharpen your skills uh, as far as the content, or contending for it, to fight for it. Because there's going to be men that are coming in unaware. Again, they're crept in unaware. The church does not know about this. It gives reasons why. Um, let's just get into that because I'm going to run out of time. Uh, we're going to skip down to verse 5. It says, I will therefore put you in remembrance, though you once knew this, how that the Lord, <clears throat> having saved the people out of the land of Egypt afterward, destroyed them that believe not. Now here comes the grace. Uh, the grace part. He explains that through verses 5 through 8. I'll continue reading once again for time. This is verse 6. And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitations, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of that great day. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after, the strange, after strange flesh, flesh are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal life. Now, we have here uh, examples of God's grace. Going back in time, you can go back in the whole of the Old Testament, and you, well, even the New Testament, even today, you can see the children of Israel have, have had grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. What I mean by grace is God has been gracious and not destroying the children of Israel as a people in the Old Testament. Um, we have, for example, he saved them out of Egypt. We have the manna, which he brought down from them for he from, uh, from heaven. They complained, and he gave them fowls, and uh, it came out of their nose. Fiery serpents, which destroyed them um, as they were bit, and they had to look upon the serpent made out of uh, bronze. Um, Ten Commandments, they made a golden calf as he just brought them across the Red, uh, uh, the Red Sea. The angels, which left their estate, their habitation. The angels, uh, how close were they were? How close were they to God? We got to really understand that they were born, they were created before men. So you have angels who can see the glory of God. One particular angel who actually covered the glory of God, and he fell. It says, by way of their traffic. Whenever you have grace, you have a choice, especially back then. 
God gave these angels a choice to leave, and they, they left. In the scriptures and revelations, it says that um, the serpent or the dragon drew a third of the stars. It didn't say that he commanded a third of the stars to leave. It says he drew them, and they left. Also, Ezekiel 28 speaks of, speaks of the anointed cherub, which is Lucifer. So you have Lucifer in heaven, or Ezekiel 28, which describes Lucifer, but it starts off, it says, Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyre, but it's talking about Satan. Thou seest up the sum full of wisdom, perfect in beauty. Then it goes to say, how, oh, how, how, how far hast thou fallen? He was close to God, so close to God that he decided, or that he elevated himself. He must have looked in a mirror or something like that and, and, and elevated himself because of his beauty. He then fell. Sodom and Gomorrah. Um, their sin was set as an example only um, of God's grace, but the grace, uh, I'm sorry, verse uh, 7 says, Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and strange flesh, you see, you had Sodom and Gomorrah. You had a huge, huge city. Um, let me find it. I have an excerpt there of how, uh, how big the city was. <clears throat> Here. And it talks about or, or, or uh, Sodom and Gomorrah being a city um, that had wicked sin. Abraham, even Abraham himself. Uh, made intercession for the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. And the grace that God allowed them in that whole time to live as a city in sin until it says in, uh, wrote it down, Genesis 18:20 it says, the cry of Sodom was great and their sins was grievous. I have an excerpt here. It says, um, if I can not throw my phone on the floor. Here we go. Wait, lost it. Got it. Now, this is an archaeological dig. When people said that Sodom and Gomorrah wasn't a city, they actually found a bunch of tombs underneath or close to the Dead Sea. It says, no serious excavations were undertaken uh, in the area until 40 years later in 1960, a large cemetery was discovered near Bab Edra. Archaeologist Paul Lapp spent there. Um, it says that possibly as many 20,000 tombs. A shaft tomb is a vertical hole about three feet in diameter dug into a rocky ground uh, to a depth of approximately six feet. At the bottom of each shaft were one and five horizontal sha shallow shafts, each containing between one and six bodies. In addition, there were a number of mud bricks buildings, uh, charnel houses that were um, respiratories for bones uh, or bodies of the dead. Current estimate of the number of bodies occupying that cemetery is about a half a million bodies in that cemetery. Pottery shards found with skeletal remains indicate that approximately three million pottery vessels were used in conjunction with burials. Other funeral items included clay figurines of goddesses, wooden staffs, sandals, and reeds and baskets. So the sin, you had about three million figurines of goddesses and other gods that they buried themselves with uh, in Sodom and Gomorrah. 
the commandments broken. Weren't commandments back then. The Ten Commandments weren't back then, but you shall have no other idols among you. That sin was so grievous that it grew up and it got up to uh, even, even God himself. Excuse me. And to even consider that half a million people could be in a city where one person was the only one who was righteous, that's pretty unbelievable. So the time span you have with the king of Sodom and Abraham and taking Lot and going out to fight him, I didn't get the exact time, uh, time period or how long Sodom was a, was a city, but um, with a lot of people, it seems like it must have been a long time. So God was gracious and gracious then. Continuing on in verse 8, it says, Likewise also, filthy dreamers defile the flesh and despise dominion and speak evil of dignities. Uh, I really wanted to focus on verse 8. Verse 8 is, uh, um, we can kind of see ourselves in verse 8. So, you have, uh, in the last half, it says, defile the flesh despise dominion, and speak evil of dignities. How many times um, ourselves as children of God do we exhibit uh, flaws in our human nature? Born of the, we do have the sinful nature, but um, do we at times speak evil of dignities? We just got a new president. I haven't heard a lot of good things about this man, mostly from Christians. I've heard some good things, but I have not heard a lot of good things about this president from some Christians who, at some points, use very foul language. We have to give grace. Michael, the archangel, actually puts us to shame in this. Verse 9, yet Michael, the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, durst not bring against him a railing, railing accusation, but said, the Lord rebuke thee. But these speak evil of those things which they know not. So Michael, the archangel, who's prophesied in scripture, who will go to war with Lucifer and will win, and bind him in chains and throw him in a lake of fire, dared not to bring a railing accusation to Lucifer, the anointed cherub who has brought us down to a point where we need a savior, whose sin is perpetuated through all the earth and all of Adam. Michael, who could say that he has a foothold or, or a, um, a purpose in saying that I can rebuke you because it's prophesied that I'm going to throw you in the lake, in the, in the bottomless pit. There's not, not even the Satan, and says the Lord rebuke you. Most of the time he puts us to shame. And I got to say to my, even to myself sometimes, my job, my boss, doesn't make me happy all the time. He does not make me happy all the time. He really does not make me happy all the time. But... I am a child of God, and I have to remember that. 
God forbid an, the elders or somebody in charge of a ministry here changes something up, just us. If the pew moves to the left, we're, everyone's up in arms. <laughs> We've got to have grace. If God can show grace to a city uh, like Sodom and Gomorrah and allow them to be saved, um, as Christians, we can show grace to those, our brothers and sisters that we love. Like, it's a lot harder than, it's, than it sounds. Um, but I've seen it happen before, so we can do this, people. It can, ha it can happen. It's continuing on, verse 9 through uh, 13 basically talks about the, the, the pointlessness of those who do this. It says, Yet Michael and Art ain't, or verse 10, I'll read that, but these speak evil of those things which they know not. But what they know naturally is brute beast, and those things they corrupt themselves. Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain and ran greedily after the heir of Balaam, for reward and perish in the gainsaying of Kor. These are spots in your feast of charity. Within these feasts with you, feeding themselves without fear. Clouds they are without water, carried about in the winds and trees, those fruits that weareth without fruit, oh, I'm sorry, withereth without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots. Raging waves of the sea foaming out of their own shame, wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied these things, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all, to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed, and of all their hard speeches with ungodly sinners have spoken against them. So what are we? <clears throat> we represent Christ. We are joint heirs to the promise. We are Christians. We are supposed to exhibit Christ-like behavior. And that does include grace. Jude is, um, Jude points to, Jude, point, Jude is pointing to someone who isn't saved. Jude's pointing to what we call the apostate Christian. So Jude um, gives examples of what they are. They do creep in unawares, but at the same time, they have um, attributes that we can pick out where spiritual men have to discern who they are. Sometimes when a brother, when contending with grace, so practically, when a Christian is saying, I have grace, I can do this, You're right, but you have to understand that your grace has a higher responsibility. You have more of a responsibility because you are uh, a Christian. You have to exhibit Christ-like things. Um, separating the two, this is where it's hard. Separating the two from a brother who is actually not being legalistic, but exhorting you to follow, uh, um, not the law, but follow the, the, the teachings of Christ or walking along with Christ, is not the same as someone who's, who's apostate and, and seeking to gain uh, reward from men. As Christians, in Romans 8, 17, says, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. If so, be that we are suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. Um, Ephesians 2, 5, says, even when we were dead in sins, he hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved. And continuing on, if we have grace, um, 
I'll read verse uh, Galatians 2.17. But if, while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also are found sinners, is therefore Christ the minister of sin? God forbid. Romans 6, 1 through 2. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? So because of our responsibility, because we are joint uh, heirs with Christ, we are to exemplify the life or we are to exemplify the model of Christ in the world. Um, again, that, that holds us to a, a higher standard. Um, while we representing Christ, we have a greater responsibility. God must act if he is not represented well. Um, we know some characters in scriptures, even in the New Testament, in Acts, Ananias, and Sapphira. They lied to the Holy Spirit and were killed on the spot. 1 Corinthians 11.30 says, That is why many are among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. Died. Revelations 2. The angel of the church in Ephesus, you have forsaken your first love. Revelation chapter 3, verses 14 through 16. It says, unto the church of Laodiceans, verse 16, says, because thou art lukewarm, I will spew you out of my mouth. It's a hard thing to know that our actions uh, as a church, as an individual, can actually make God vomit or sick to his stomach. That was kind of uh, a mind-blowing thing in uh, and searching Jude um, and uh, combing through this book that are we as Christians using grace to get what we want, to say that we can do whatever we want? Are we being legalistic on some things or we have a set traditional things that we're supposed to be doing or that we think others should be doing so that we can gauge spirituality. And looking at my life, I know that, like I said, my boss doesn't always make me happy, but um, given grace, um, we could show that we can show Christ to others who aren't saved. We can show Christ to others who are um, are saved in the church as well. And uh, it seems like I'm out of time. I had a lot more, but I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and uh, I'm gonna go ahead and finish right there. So let's pray. Dear gracious God and Father, Lord, you've uh, this is as was. As we said before in your word, Lord, you've given so much to us. You've given us your son. Um, and your son willingly came down and, and paid the price for our sins. Well, we can't say that we, uh, well, we didn't deserve it. Um, we were lost in sin until he came. 
And it was so much grace, the grace that you've shown us, the Gentiles, bringing us into uh, your church, your fold, that we sit and we are seated with you at your right hand. We thank you so much that we have an intercessor, Jesus Christ, who is inter constantly interceding for us on the throne. Father, your, your grace has been since the beginning of man. We thank you so much for that, too. We thank you for the examples of what not to do. And we thank you for the example of what we should do in Christ as he walked this earth. Father, we thank you. Uh, we can't thank you enough. Father, I just pray that you keep us safe on the way home. And as we think of your word, Lord, let us meditate on this. And uh, we ask this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen.